us in the song, Worshiping Our Lord, with We Are Called to Be God's People. You find on page 415 in your notes. church family. It is great to be with you all this morning. If you are tuning online, good morning to you as well. Um, if you're a visitor with this morning, I just want to first point you to the Connect card that is in front of your pew. Um, you'll see that there's a QR code where you can check out our new website and actually find out more information about us. But there's also a place for you to uh, fill out through the QR code or on the back just to let us know uh, you are here, let us know how you found out about us so that we can reach out to you and connect with you. Um, so please take a look at those. Um, a couple updates from this last week. We had our Trunk or Treat event last Sunday, which was amazing. We had our largest uh, group yet come. We had about 1,200 people come visit us last Sunday. So, yeah, you can give them the Lord around. Yeah, so we are super excited about that. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Many of you guys donated candy to the event, uh, participated in trunks. Uh, we had the parking team going who crushed it out there. We had a uh, variety of different people serving at the welcome team, all different areas, and you guys contributed to an amazing event. So thank you guys. Um, a couple other things coming up. Uh, we had, well, actually, Friday night, we had our OCC packing party, which was really well attended. I'd never been to one of those, um, but that thing went really smooth and really quick because of all the work that was put there. So good job to you guys. 
Um, but a couple things uh, with that. We still have boxes left. Uh, you can see out in the lobby if you would like to pack one yourself. So feel free to grab one out of the lobby on your way out if you are interested in doing that. Um, and we also still have a few spots open to help with a National Collection Week, which begins on November 15th. So you should be getting an email about that, or you can reach out to the church office for more information about being part of that, too. So that's all I got for you guys this morning. So let's pray. We'll pray for those who came and visited us and just the conversations and the seeds that were planted, uh, that God would use that and that God would continue to use us um, through these Christmas boxes. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just the privilege to be your people and um, gather together to worship you here, but also to go look outward and connect with our community. Um, we thank you for all the people that came, these families that we get to now reach out to again and um, continue to encourage and invite in uh, to our church family. And I pray that you would uh, just use us to continue to look outward and to participate in your mission and what you are doing um, around us. And I pray that you'd use us uh, use us through these Operation Christmas Child boxes that the kids who receive those would feel your love, would see um, how good you are through receiving these gifts, and that many people would come to know you and draw closer to you through these different things that we do. I pray for this time of worship as well, that we continue to have hearts that are open to you and to hear from you and to grow closer to you through this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
676, Oh Jesus, I have promised. Worshiping as we sing.
such a gracious, loving God. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your hand on every part of the service, that our hearts would be malleable, ready to receive your word, that we would not leave here unchanged, Lord, because we were in your word. I beg you, Lord, that you bless Pastor Randy and help him to open your word, Lord, illuminate our eyes, and help us, Lord, to draw closer to you and each other. We desperately love you and pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, church family. All of you at home, good morning. Uh, pray for John and Monica. They're on a well-deserved trip. Uh, so we had extra Troy today. Um, enjoyed all the music. So thank you, thank you. We're going to talk about, uh, we'll start off with consumerism. Okay, anyone have breakfast this morning? You consumed something this morning, right? How many of you like shopping? Really? Wait a second, really? There's not many people that like shopping. That surprised me. Here's the thing. I don't want to stress anyone out, but I hope you've already started shopping for Christmas because you only have 48 days left. Okay? With all the ships stuck in the ocean, whatever, you better start getting your orders in now. Okay? But I did a little research and was blown away. I shouldn't have been surprised, but it kind of blew my mind. I looked up how much Americans spent on Christmas last year, 2020, okay? Um, I would ask for guesses, but that could take a minute. Americans spent, last year, $188.2 billion on Christmas. Now, that's your food, decorations, presents, whatever stuff. That's insane. We could do a lot. Anyway, do you guys want to cancel Christmas? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but consumerism, yeah, it's, it's a consumer is a person who purchases goods and services for personal use, okay? People like to shop, we like to do things, we like to go eat, um, but it can actually kind of get into our faith, get into our experience at church. Um, so I want to talk this morning about a consumer faith, a faith where it's all about you, what can you give me, Jesus? Um, I'm going to show up, I need this from you. Uh, versus a complete faith, uh, a real faith, a faith that is what Jesus wants for us in our pursuit of him. So turn with me. We're going to finish up John chapter 4 today. Uh, John 4, verses 43 to 54. And it starts off a couple of verses, or three verses before, and I did this at 8.30 service. I was reading the passage and read, Jesus heals an official son, like the little subtitle on there. Uh, but we're going to back up to 43, and this is right after Jesus uh, is done in Samaria and is heading back to Galilee. So it says, after the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his, his, home, his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. 
The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he, he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So here he is. Jesus just left Samaria, had an amazing revival for those two plus days uh, with the Samaritans, uh, led by the woman at the well. Uh, and so he, he's, it, the ministry's going great so far. And he heads on into Galilee, back to Cana, and it says that the, the Galileans were there to welcome him. Uh, and I think, though, that they welcomed him because they wanted more. They'd heard about the water changing to the wine. Some of them were there. Uh, and they were like, oh, here comes Jesus. You know, what, what more can he show us? What cool magic tricks uh, can he show us? Uh, it wasn't, hey, here's our Messiah. Here's the Savior of the world that the Samaritans experienced. Here was Jesus coming back. And they'd heard these great stories of all that Jesus was doing and thinking, hey, what's he going to show us now? Uh, and so they're kind of missing the point. And what a sad irony that here they were having Christ, the Messiah, coming back to them uh, into their own town and failing to see him for who he really is. They like the signs, but they never look past the signs to the destination of who Jesus is as Messiah. And the irony that he goes from Samaria, which, by the way, he didn't do any miracles that's recorded in Samaria. It was all off of his word and all off of who he was that that revival broke out. They didn't need signs. They didn't need, they were after the eternal life, the living water that he provided, not some magic show that possibly the Galileans were expecting. So those who want miracles and the cool stuff that Jesus can do, but not want Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, are consumers. Uh, they are only in it for the miracle and what Jesus can give them. Uh, and so, Pastor Randy, how does that apply to me this morning? Well, some of it is, have we shown up this morning looking for what I can get from Jesus? Um, looking for, hey, Jesus, I had a rough week. You know, show me something, please, instead of coming ready to worship and adore and thank him for who he is. Um, the, a true love of Jesus. The Galileans only wanted Jesus for what he could give them, but they didn't just love Jesus uh, for who he is as Messiah. And let me ask you this. I'm just going to go right to us. Put your toes up underneath the pew. But do we only love Jesus for what he can do for us? Do we serve Christ so that we'll have a better marriage? Are we serving Jesus just so that we can have well-behaved children uh, are we serving Jesus so that he'll bless our life and make it more peaceful and take away some of our problems? Are we serving Jesus for, for just feeling better about ourselves? Or how, are we coming to worship and, and focus on Jesus himself? Knowing that those will come, knowing that, yes, those things can happen, but those are just the peripheral um, outflow of our faith. Are we here truly in our true faith, worshiping Jesus. And 
Satan kind of thought about that with Job. If you go back and look at Job, Job, Satan thought that Job only loved God because of all the blessings that he gave him, right? Here's Job with a, a huge amount of possessions, his family, God was protecting him, and Satan goes to God and says, does Job really fear you for no reason? Does he really love you and worship you for no reason? Or is it because of what you're doing for him and what Job expects you to do for him? Now we see through the entire book of Job that it was he truly loved God and worshiped and feared God. Uh, and that came through. His wife didn't get it. Remember his wife said to him, look, curse God and die because of all that was taken away from you, including your health. Now that's an extreme. Um, I pray that no one in here is like, all right, God, you know, if you don't do this, I'm out. Um, but there's a lot of people that do. Uh, we have a situation in life. We want it, a prayer answered. It doesn't get answered quickly. And we're like, well, God's not around. I'm out of here. And they bail. They bail on their faith. They bail on their church, uh, their religion. And here's the thing. That's a consumer faith. That isn't all about me. What can I get out of it? It's not coming humbly in our sin to a Savior. Uh, and that alone is all that we need. Uh, and in that completion, we have our salvation. We have all that we need in this life. But there are those times of, of being in crisis. Okay? My, and I will admit this, my prayer life is probably better when things aren't going great. When I'm in crisis mode and I go, all right, I'm going to pray. But how often do we only pray to the Father when we are in crisis? When are we only praying to Jesus uh, when things are super bad? When is the last time that we had an, a, a, as deep of a prayer time when things were great? And so that's a little tinge of consumer faith. Uh, we don't pray unless we're in crisis. That kind of keeps Jesus on the shelf like Aladdin's lamp, right? You only need the lamp when you need a wish fulfilled. How many times do we kind of have Jesus on the shelf? I'm like, well, life's pretty good right now. I'm good. And then something happens. Oh, I need to go get Jesus and pull him off the shelf, pray, have him take care of something, put him back when things are back to, to, to normal. Okay. By the way, I'm feeling all this as much as all of you are. Um, what about our children? Those of you with children, those of you in a relationship, what if the only conversations you had was when they wanted something? Hey, Dad, where's the keys to the car? Can I get money for this? And that's the only time there's communication, um, when they want something. When, how much sweeter is a relationship with a, a parent, with a spouse, with a boyfriend or girlfriend or a friend, when it's not about, hey, what can you do for me? I just want to hang out. I just want to be with you. I want to have this time in, in our relationship with God the Father. When is the last time in our prayer time that we just came to God in prayer just to be with him, just to hang out? Now, there's nothing wrong, by the way, with your prayer requests. I'm not saying that. But when it's only prayer requests, and we go through our list, amen, thank you, see ya, then we're missing the point. That a little consumer faith of, hey, what can you give me? You know, and I know you, you've got the rest. I've got my salvation. I've got all that. But, but we're missing the point of this relationship, of this picture of true faith, complete faith that Jesus wants with us. Um, 
And that is the, the faith that Jesus wants from us, is that we look past the signs. That's what the Galileans were doing. They saw the, the signs that Jesus were doing. Hey, give us more. That was really cool. Um, but Jesus, in our faith, we need to look beyond the signs to the destination of where he wants us. And that destination is in a personal relationship with him as Savior and Lord. That's the ultimate um, goal that he has. And not everyone does that. The Galileans didn't. In verse 48, we have Jesus saying, and he's, it says in Scripture that he's saying this to the, the Father, uh, the one that, who has a son who's sick. But the you here is plural. And so he's kind of uh, focusing back to the crowd, saying, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Uh, and this is directed to the crowd, but not all of them. Because we're going to see that at least one in the crowd who might have initially sought Jesus for a sign or a miracle is someone who is about to put their complete faith in Jesus. Uh, and that is this official. Look at verse 46. It says, At Capernaum there is an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So we're going to look now at, we've looked at consumer faith, and now this is a complete faith, a true faith, a real faith that Christ wants. Uh, so here's this official. He may have been a member of Herod's court. We, we're not sure. It doesn't say. Um, if he was a Gentile, what a beautiful reminder and picture of the, the, the mission and focus of the gospel of the cross and Jesus, that he spent time with the Jews, with Nicodemus. He spent a time in Samaria, and now with a Gentile, this broad scope of the love that Jesus has for this world, the light in the dark world. Um, he probably never would have come to Jesus if it hadn't have been for this crisis. And God uses things in our life that are crisis to kind of cause us to focus and wake up uh, to see truly who he is. Uh, because it's not a bad thing to go to God in crisis. You know, I mentioned that before. That's not a bad thing. But if that's the only time, then we're missing out on what this relationship really needs to be. So uh, verse 49 and 50, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. So here's this father. He knows Jesus does miracles. He's hoping that he has enough power to do a miracle to save his son. And he goes to Jesus for this sign. But now Jesus kind of throws back at him this opportunity that your son is healed, but I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to go back to physically be there for your son and heal him. You just have to trust my word. So now the man has this decision to make at this point. Does he insist on a sign? insists that Jesus go to his son, or does he trust the Savior? Is he ready to trust the word of Jesus as Savior? And I think he's starting to kind of get who Jesus is and truly believe in who Jesus is. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So he left. He trusted. Um, when Jesus speaks, his words are true. The man believed that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And do you see the man's actions of faith? That yes, he came initially for this sign, but he was able to see that when he trusted Jesus, when Jesus said, go, your son is fine. He leaves, uh, he goes back to his home, 
He didn't beg Jesus to come with him. He didn't uh, sit there and say, hold on, you know, I need to see this for real. No, he trusted Jesus. He trusted his word. He believed without seeing a sign. That reminds me of Hebrews 11, that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's where he was. That's where we are. We don't get to physically see Jesus do miracles, but we trust his word. Uh, We have his word, and we have the word uh, in scripture, and we have the word as Christ to trust and believe. And note that that Jesus didn't answer them. He answered the man's desire because the man's intention was for his son to be healed and then kind of added this extra request, do you mind coming to the house? Jesus answered his desire of healing his son, but he didn't answer or go with the plans that the man had for him to come to the, the house. How many times again, and again, this is all me, like I, I should stand looking at me, do we have that kind of faith also? Um, how many times do we in our mind, and I do, I do this with my list, not only do I have a prayer request list, I know how it kind of needs to play out. Does anyone else do that? Does anyone pray for our situations and know in your mind, yeah, if, if person A comes over here, person B says this, you know, you have it laid out, and all of a sudden, Jesus said an answer back that way or changes the plans, and we get a little frustrated. How silly is that? Because his ways are greater than my ways. His ways will always be greater than my ways. And sometimes we have expectations in our prayer and when they don't get answered to the, the letter, we're like, God, what are you doing? Especially the big wait word, right? That's the worst. Lord, I need this fixed now. And God comes back with wait. It's going to happen, but not now. So here's this faith. Uh, and the Father's getting it. This, this official is starting to understand that this complete faith in Jesus is a faith in Jesus, not a sign, not some wonder that he's going to experience. He believed the word of Jesus. He didn't need an immediate sign. He was confident in what Jesus did. He didn't need some immediate proof. And then his faith was confirmed as he went on his way home. And can you imagine how awesome he had to, at some level, have a confidence enough in Jesus, knowing with, the, with that full confidence he's heading home to his son who is well. And here come his servants to meet him because they're excited to meet him and say, your son is healed. He is great. And isn't it great that the the father has full confidence in what Jesus has done, but still like double checking, right? Because I would have done this too. And so the father says, so what time did he get better? Because I want to kind of put it up against when Jesus said that he was going to get better. And sure enough, with full confidence, uh, his faith was confirmed because, uh, or affirmed because of knowing the details of when Jesus said his son would be healed and his son was healed. Uh, and so this man's faith is continuing to grow and continuing to, to be a solid piece of who he is because of Jesus, not because of the signs that Jesus did. And It was a crisis mode that set that off. It was a situation that wasn't easy for this man to endure. But through that, his faith grew. Uh, It reminds me of James chapter 1. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here is the process, the faith growth process, the deepening of our belief is a continued interaction in our relationship with Jesus Christ and continuing to see him at work. And that's what this man experienced. And it didn't take a sign. It was a simple belief in who Jesus is. And from that, then he saw this miracle of his son, comes home, his son believes, his family believes, because now his faith has grown. He's become like the Samaritan woman in this amazing testimony and gospel message that he has that he now is sharing the love of Jesus with others. And so he really gets it, just like John's goal at the end of this book is that he believed because of a sign, and he believed that Jesus is the Son of God and that his life will be eternally uh, locked in because of Jesus as Christ and Savior. So Christians, how is your faith and trust in Jesus this morning? Are we guilty of a little consumerism, a lot of consumerism, or are we all in with a complete faith? If there's someone here who doesn't believe and hasn't fully accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, fully understood that, are you ready to put your complete faith in him? Complete, without any signs and without any, any certain formula that you have in your mind, are you ready to take a step of faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ? We're going to have an invitation time soon, and I pray that if you don't know Jesus, that you would come during that time to talk to me or talk to someone to understand what a complete faith looks like. And so in conclusion this morning, I did feel a little convicted for this sermon. I felt so many times I'm showing up. All right, God, I worked really hard on this sermon. It's been a long week. I've got some big stuff coming up. You know, I need a little boost of Holy Spirit this morning, which he's going to do, by the way. That's not a bad thing. But when I show up intentional with my little formula of what needs to happen in my mind, and I'm showing up, right, Jesus, what are you giving me? Instead of me showing up this morning, preparing this word to say, I just want to hang out. I want to hang out with you, Jesus. I want to worship and adore you. That is a perfect, complete faith. The consumer, yes, we, we get to expect things because he's going to give in abundance, grace upon grace. It's there, but our intentionality should be Jesus, simply Jesus in our worship and in our affection to, to him and our worship, our love and affection to each other. Uh, we can get into all unconditional love in our relationships uh, for a, a longer time, but I want to show up with this. When I come to church this morning, I want to come to simply hang out, to come and to worship and adore my Savior. Uh, that's complete faith, not just consumerism. And we're all guilty of that, but it is so much more. And what a great honor. We've got a great rest of our morning this morning. We're going to go into invitation. Take a moment. Take a moment just to stop and, and be in a, a, a mode of worship, thanking God for who he is. Uh, we're, we have an opportunity to, for an ordination service from one of our new deacons uh, that our deacons represent the service 
aspect of our church, and, and we all have an opportunity to serve our church. Um, and that's kind of that unselfishness, because what's the opposite of a consumer faith? And you have that complete faith, but then it's a giving faith. It's a giving, serving attitude that you come not only to worship and adore our Savior, but now we have an opportunity to give away our love and affection through him to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have our, an opportunity when we go home to give away this faith and love of our Savior to our family members. We have our opportunity to go into school and to work next week, not only saying, give me, give me, but to give away our faith because of what Christ has done in our life. So this opportunity to serve is an amazing picture. And then we're going into Lord's Supper. Another time to just reflect, uh, to put aside our, our wants and needs at, at, for a moment and truly just be with Jesus and thank him for what he has done. Please pray with me as we go into our time of invitation. Father, I thank you for this morning that you've allowed us to see this amazing gift that you've given us, that it is more than just our ticket to heaven and our salvation, but you desire a relationship with us, that you desire our attention and our worship. And Father, the opportunity that we have to give you the glory that you deserve. Uh, I pray, Father, that we don't come selfishly uh, into this place, that we don't come selfishly into our other relationships, but because of you, uh, that we look for ways to serve others because we just simply love you. And out of that love overflows this abundance of love for others. Uh, and Father, I thank you for this time. And as we go into the rest of our service, uh, that we can just kind of halt our minds and just stop for a moment to truly be still and know that you are God and to worship and adore you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 670, Make Me a Blessing. Worshiping is my question as we sing.
seat. We're going to do things a little different. I want, do want to present to you Bethany and Brian's schools. Go ahead and stand up and wave to the crowd. They love that. Um, and have a seat now. Um, what we're going to do is go into, we're going to have a special time of ordination. We're going to move to that in a moment and then Lord's Supper. And then I'm going to ask Bethany and Brian to kind of hang out up front when we're done. Uh, if you want to come and greet them. But if you as a church family uh, commit to pray and support Bethany and Brian as they come to join our church, and they're both going to get baptized. If you give full support, will you please say amen? amen. All right, awesome. As we do transition, if I can ask uh, Barry Carpenter to come on up. And then Kevin, and then any of our ordained men, if you will please come. And today we have gathered to celebrate this deacon ordination for Barry Carpenter, and this is to officially set him aside for the work of the ministry as a deacon. And Kevin, as chairman, if you will please give us an intro. Good morning, church family. Uh, the Ordination Council met uh, this past Lord's Day, past l last Sunday, and we met with Barry to examine him for the office of deacon. And after a time of prayer, a time of examination, a time of encouragement, we unanimously, unanimously concluded that Barry uh, meets the qualifications for deacon, and therefore we'd like to present him to the church body for ordination. All right, thank you. Uh, reading from Acts chapter 6. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we all appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Perenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Our deacons are here to serve our church. They serve in the ordinances of Lord's Lord's Supper and Baptism. They give spiritual guidance to the church family. They pray for our church. They care for our church. But above all, they love Jesus and they love our church. Barry, my charge is you, to you is this, to seek Jesus in all things, 
in all areas of your life to continue to love and adore your family, to continue to love and cherish this church family, protect your heart and mind. Satan does not like what's going on right now, and the attacks will come. Know that you have a church family, a group of fellow deacons, and a pastor and a staff that will pray for you and fight alongside you. Church family, my charge to you is this. Commit to pray for Barry and his family. Commit to pray for all of your deacons and staff. And know this, that these men are here to serve us and to help guide us as we seek the glory, to glorify God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to have a short prayer time now for Barry as we close this time together. Heavenly Father, we pray four specific things for Barry as he enters this office of deacon at our church. The first is that you give him wisdom as he serves to know just exactly what to say and when to say it so that you are praised. We ask that you give him strength and the just physical strength to get things done that are needed to be done when they are needed to be done so that again you receive praise and honor. We also ask, Father, that you give him joy, the joy of serving you with us and the joy that we have of seeing his service given to all of us. And further, Father, we ask that you would put an extra uh, hedge of protection around him and his family so that as he serves us, he knows that the protection that he needs to suffer the slings and arrows that Peyton might throw at him is there. And Father, I ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Father, in Scripture we read the qualifications for deacon are someone who is well-respected, Lord, someone who is trustworthy, someone who is above reproach, someone who manages their household well. Lord, when I think of Barry, I think of all these things. And uh, yet, Lord, even above all those, I see, Father, someone who loves Jesus. He loves Ju Jesus more than anything else, Father. And I just pray that you would continue to grow in him that love for Jesus, that he would become more and more like Christ. Because as he becomes more like Christ, he will better serve and love the church, which is what he's called to do as a deacon. And so, Father, uh, just, just please increase his strength in those areas. And Lord, also I just echo my brother Bert's prayer for a hedge of protection. Would you just place a hedge of protection around Barry? Uh, protect him, protect his family. And Father, just allow him to serve mightily before you in this, uh, for this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and for this opportunity that we have uh, to present to our church family, Barry, as a deacon, and continue to use him. Uh, the fruit of his faith, the fruit of his salvation that he has in you is evident. Uh, continue to use him, continue to open up opportunities of service uh, to his family to continue to love them as great as he always has and always will uh, for the love that he has for this church family uh, that you continue to use him in ways to to help the individual to help the church as a whole uh, father for all of our deacons this year that we continue to glorify you in all that we do continue to keep uh, things focused on jesus and Father, as we continue on this journey together, uh, led by you, that we always work side by side, 
hand in hand for your glory, uh, that we can encourage one another, continue to be an encouragement to our family of believers here and to our community who desperately need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And as these guys come down, I want to make sure as we go into our time of Lord's Supper uh, that everyone has received a cup. Uh, For those who are participating, if you did not receive a cup, will you please raise your hand so we can get some? There's a couple. And reading in 1 Corinthians from the Apostle Paul, he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Family, if you will please get the bread ready, and those of you at home, and then we'll pray. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, as we prepare to take this bread, open our hearts and minds to what it represents. As difficult as it may be, let us remember the suffering Jesus experienced in our place. Let us not forget how his body was broken to save us. Father God, thank you for this time. For I know that I am broken, yet the sacrifice on the cross gave me new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And family, as you prepare the cup, as we enter into prayer. Let us pray. Father, we were reminded this morning that our faith must be focused on you. Far too often we focus on ourselves when, when rightly our faith, our trust, Our praise should be directed at you. But the fact of the matter is, Father, we can't focus on you unless we can enter into your presence. And we cannot enter into your presence because of our sin. And yet, because of the blood of your Son, our sin was wiped away. It was replaced 
with his righteousness and because of what Christ did on the cross, because of the shedding of his blood, we can enter into your throne room. We enter in boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, laying at your feet our praises, Father, and, and just reveling in that reconciled relationship we have with you because of what Christ did on the cross. So as we take this cup, Father, I pray that you would remind us of what the power of the blood of Christ accomplished. That because of that blood, we are washed white as snow. Because of that blood, we are righteous. Because of that blood, we have relationship with you, not just now, but for eternity. We praise you, we bless you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we end our time, we typically do our benevolence giving. You can also give online or uh, put in a giving box in the lobby as we continue to take care of those who are in need within our church. In scripture, we read that after the first communion, they rose and sang a hymn. So we're going to do the same. 423, we are one in the bond of love.